Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Wednesday edition is here with Paul Koharski and Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We are live at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Jakob Swanson and the chairman of the board, David Reed, make the show happen for us. Big show planned today. Plenty of topics surrounding the NFL and college football. We will discuss the NFL playoffs with a different look. We're going to have a draft of sorts where we will go through and determine who has the first pick and the third pick, and we'll have a snake draft of determining who we believe to be the Super Bowl favorites as it sets up going into Week 18 across the National Football League. And I'm sure the return of Derrick Henry plays a big factor in where we will select the Tennessee Titans. Paul has just literally just arrived from Titans practice where Henry was designated to return to the roster and to practice, a uh, chance to be activated this week. That's a topic for later uh, in today's show. But, Paul, you saw him. We'll see video of this coming up in about 30 minutes. What would you think of Henry's return? Yeah, I really can't talk about it until 2.30 either. Oh, but you, he was, you literally he, can. Yeah, he was out there, and uh, I, I, I think people will be encouraged when we talk about it at 2.30. And we're not, there's no state secret here. They announced that he's returning to practice, uh, the team did, in an email uh, this morning. But that's, that's huge news for the Titans. The question is, when will we actually see him in a game? There are some that believe that they, they need to see him in Week 18 in Houston. Others, like me, and I think all of us. All of us. I echoed what we, uh, I, what we said yesterday in a piece I wrote today I, about I think the rust. Best case scenario is we don't see him play until the divisional round. And worst case uh, scenario, we don't see him play until the wild card week. I'm a little different than you guys. I'm not completely against him playing in this game. I'm against half measures. I'm against any idea that he needs five to seven carries in this game, and that's it. I think it's either or. You rest him to try to get him ready with hoping you win this week and get the bye, or you start him. Either either he's back and he is back in all caps and he's the starter this week and that is his game to transition and get ready for the playoffs or you make the decision that for health reasons he needs an extra week, an extra two weeks really, you hope, uh, if they win this weekend and then he doesn't play. I, I don't like this. I have what you're saying, but I have a hard time envisioning them going full measures. Uh, I have at, a hard time envisioning stage. that too, but I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, get, I'll, I'll say that I'm not, I'm not against that at all. I'm also not against them watching him on the practice field and deciding we're not going to risk it in this game Let either. Me, I'm fine with that. I just don't like he needs five to seven carries to quote-unquote knock the rust off. I don't buy that. Well, let me, let me phrase it or ask it this way, Chad. If he's, if he's ready to go full, full go, as you say, no half measures, full measures, why would you risk anything in this game? 
and not wait until the playoffs to have him go full measure. That's where I stand on this. I'm not playing the guy until the games really until the games really count. I well, think they I, they have been very measured with having this date circled on their calendar for his potential return. I don't think that means return to the playing field in week 18. I I do buy the reports now that that say, hey, if this were a win and end scenario, that they would potentially use him. I don't think there's any reason to risk it otherwise. Uh, see, I, I think that if they lose this game, they have no shot at the Super Bowl. I think that's how important this game is. They're not getting to the Super Bowl unless they have home field advantage and that bye. They're not good enough well, to go to Kansas City and win. So, Hutton, the, here's the best case scenario for me. They're good enough to go to Houston and win without Derrick Henry. Yes. So go do that. Yes. yes. But I'm also not going to sit here as someone who has stated that they are not getting to the Super Bowl unless they win on Sunday to say that you just go into it against a team you've already lost against and, oh, it, they'll be just fine to win easily without Derrick Henry but, and not worry about it. If he's ready, if he's full go, then I could understand them saying this this is the start, as you said yesterday, and I thought you said it well. This is the start of our playoffs. If it's the start of your playoffs, Derrick Henry plays the whole game. But, Chad, they can't make it to the Super Bowl without Derrick Henry, and that's what I'm ensuring, that when the playoffs start and potentially you need two wins to make it to L.A. or potentially Dallas, we'll mention that in a moment, that you have Derrick Henry on your roster. If he's, if he's full go, that's not a consideration. Anymore. Because you're playing him like you're playing him like you'd play him. He's full go. He's healthy. We're not going into this thing toe first into the shallow end. He's a football player. He's ready to play football. He's ready to go. I don't buy that they're to that point yet, and they'd rather play it safe and wait this thing out, and I understand that line of thinking. I don't think Again, you get the to only, that point. The only thing I'm completely against is this, you know, give him five or seven carries deal. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think then you, don't dress him if you I do don't that. think you get to that point. This season, all the way through the Super Bowl, if he gets stepped on the wrong way or or twisted the wrong way, I think that foot is at no, risk. There's not great blood flow to that part of the foot. That's why it's problematic. It's a big guy as opposed to a receiver. I think that foot is at risk. And maybe the rest of his career, that foot is is somehow at risk. It's less stable than it's been before, and it's certainly going to be less stable, I believe, than it's been in these games, whatever he gets. So I would minimize it by a game if I could. Also, let's not forget this. Diana Rossini, whose report clearly had substance, said there's always a chance he could play against Houston, but realistically, it's a long shot. So the, right. the most recent report, clearly from inside the Titans facility, said it's a long shot. So we should expect it's a long shot. Well, let me give credit to another report that's clearly from inside the Titans facility, and that was Clay Travis's on Saturday. So full credit goes to Clay yeah, Travis of OutKick, uh, who had it on Saturday, who for whatever reason, not a single person who covers the Titans wants to acknowledge Clay or retweet that or credit it. And suddenly, because Diana Rossini says it, it becomes a national sports story where Clay had the story on Saturday. So I want to give full credit to Clay on that because he said everything Diana Rossini said in that other than her specifying a day. Clay said, coming back probably this week, yeah, and everybody working out that. on his own. No limp, and there's which we're zero, about to watch at 2.30. <laughs> zero Nashville media members touched it. And I think that's pathetic and weak uh, and cowardice uh, of everyone who didn't, but whatever. Uh, so full credit goes to Clay 
Credit also to Diana Rossini, who yet Paul's right, clearly getting that from inside the building. I'm telling you, Clay's also getting that from inside the building. Um, For sure. I've, I've seen people have this, you know, conspiracy theory of, conveniently leaked after Bud Dupree got arrested for assault <laughs> and they needed some good news, so they leaked that to Diana Rossini. And I, I'm thinking, well, then why did they leak it to Clay Travis on Saturday, who has 600,000 more followers than Diana Rossini, who tweeted it out? Anyway, uh, that's no, my well soapbox said. on that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's look, this is good news for the Titans either way uh, with Henry's return. Um, I, I just I don't want to half measure this, and I think it's difficult to prepare from a coaching standpoint uh, to go into a game and think we have to play Derrick Henry in a way that is precautionary. If, if he's going to play, I think he's got to play. Paul, I think every fan and everyone who watches the game is going to be scared every time he gets hit or stepped on or anyone's close to his foot. That's natural. The Titans can't play it that way. You just can't. Either he's a go or he's not. And Derrick Henry will tell you if he's healthy enough to, to play at the, the level sure. that he can play. Yeah, and I think he played a big factor in when he's, when he's returning and all this. Um, and I think it was also clear that he was coming back or, or extremely close to rejoining practice. And, and I think the key was, in, in reading between the lines, Paul, the players were starting to talk about it. They were answering questions openly post-game from the last game about Derrick coming back. Uh, Lawan made a point he, answering a question about Deontay Foreman. He yep. stopped himself and said, "But he's no—he's not the king. He's not Derrick Henry." And I think they saw—they saw the same well. thing that Clay was talking about: running by himself solo at practice, not at practice, but working out in his own, and feeling the charge of this guy's about to rejoin the roster because the playoffs are here. One other consideration here that we haven't mentioned—I don't think—in all of this field turf. Um. You get those two home games, you're guaranteed grass, lousy grass, yeah, that's a muddy good point. grass, whatever. Field turf is not a friend of people coming back from injuries. Or it, a friend of catches. Derrick Henry uh, getting injured. Yeah. It happened in Indy. Yeah. Now, that look, was the surface. I, I mean, he's had huge games against oh, the Texans, yeah. clearly. Yeah. But, you know, if you're looking for – or if you're putting the pro column, pro and con column down, it's in the con column. We'll get back to uh, the Derrick Henry discussion as we uh, watch some of the video um, and, and discuss what Paul observed personally today from Henry's return to practice. That's coming up at 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, so in 20 minutes from now. Guys, a report out uh, from Dallas, and I'll, I'll pull up the exact uh, station, WFAA uh, confirms. Fa. Fa. Uh, WFA has confirmed that the NFL is looking into the availability of venues outside of California, including Arlington's AT&T Stadium, should it need a replacement venue for this year's Super Bowl. Uh, what that means is if there are restrictions due to COVID in California, they're not moving the game. They're not going to do uh, the game with restrictions in California. They're going to take the game elsewhere, and they're going to take it to Jerry's world. And according to the report, in uh, with WFFA uh, WFA in Dallas, um, AT and T Stadium, uh, due to a source, a Cowboy source says the league did inquire about the date if the stadium is available. Then that's all I've heard. They could just be covering all options in case. That was the so, confirmation from a Cowboy source. Here's a little.
a very nondescript website that doesn't have a lot of info that says there is a Super Bowl fan experience at the Los Angeles Convention Center the week of of the game. Which is that usually is, Radio that Row. That is typically is near right that. next to Radio Row. So it would make sense the Los Angeles Convention Center would host Radio Row. I can't find any. Every Super Bowl we've been to, you could go to a host site and find info on Media Center, on Radio Row, on events in throughout October. the week. Yes, months in advance. Here we are, a nothing on Los Angeles's site. And news, the latest news is that the one requirement that's being discussed is they will also require a booster uh, for the vaccine on top of the, the vaccination requirement. Um, but that's all I can find right now. And that, that's really just whispers of what I'm hearing from people uh, uh, that have been looking into it. So I, I don't know that this Paul? thing is going to move. I haven't heard But anything. I just think it's odd they don't have any plans. I, I haven't heard anything. It seems like it's in limbo. But Quiet to me, if this thing is moved to Arlington, there'll be no radio row because logistically it's just far too much to, to put together. I mean, I think what, what it being in Arlington would guarantee is a full stadium. Stadium which is their first and foremost concern because but they did it last like, year. <laughs> but think, yeah, but things like the red carpet, um, uh, event, which has moved, which is another reason right. the hall of fame vote is early again. Cause that's on a Wednesday or a Thursday and all of that. I don't know if you keep that. You can't keep that in LA. Uh, well, LA. what did they I mean, do I last time they stuff, were in Arlington? Hutton was there was the ice storm crumbled. year, right? That was the Packers. Yes. Steelers Super Bowl. Uh, you, you were there with our old station. What was that like? I know there was uh, ice was a concern the last time, but I mean they have facilities around that area. Yeah, well, but to it, book those facilities and get the volunteers that they take advantage of for this thing, those people are signed up six. Yeah, I tell you what, though, if anyone if anyone could figure it out, it may be that area and Jerry Jones and his Cowboys facilities and everything else I he has going on around that stadium gets tamped down. I think it's difficult too. Uh, I would think they're going to need to make that decision this week as soon as possible if you're going to move the Super Bowl and you can't drag this thing out. But I, I don't know. If, if anyone could pull it off, it might be the Cowboys organization with all that they own around that stadium. Uh, and Jerry, I mean, would kill to do it because he thinks his, cha- you know, his team's qualified and he would kill to play uh, a home oh. Super Bowl uh, no for doubt. the second year in a row. We just saw Tampa do it. But... um I just think, you know, outside of the game itself, I'm sure they could pull off the game itself. Everything else, and, you know, I don't know what it was like last year and how much of that stuff went on, but there's a lot of sponsorship stuff that still has to go on to satisfy contracts alone, right, Hutt? Yes, yes. How how are you pulling all of that off on a a six-week, five-and-a-half-week notice? It's a great question. And a lot of it would just be canceled, but the – the the week it like they're already talking about the teams the two representatives from the conference is not arriving until what two days prior to kickoff Friday, now Thursday Friday yeah so I, I mean, mean that that could be just a regular road game I mean that's right. not that big a deal and they're right. probably zooming the
sponsors that are in that town that it is an enormous operation. Convert the tickets that are sold from this blueprint of this stadium to this blueprint of this stadium and have people happy with their seats being. City government you're in, to the state government. It's not like you could make promises. Oh, we'll have a full stadium. We promise. There's going to be a lot of restrictions around it, but we'll have a full stadium. You can't say it. So they're in a tough spot. They want to host the Super Bowl, I'm sure. And they've been working as hard as anyone, I'm sure, to put all this together. But they're also at the mercy of whatever the laws of the land are where they live. Coming up, we have primary complaint today. That's in roughly 35 minutes. When we come back and throughout today's show... We're going to be discussed by that you can carry over momentum from a bowl win into the next year because there's so many moving parts and changes. But there are things that we have learned that we do believe will carry over to the offseason and storylines of 2022 based on the bowls that have already been played. Chad has a list for us, and we're going to go topic by topic throughout today's show. We'll start when we come back, and then in 12 minutes at practice, in his debut since the injury in week Eight. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Jacob Swanson and David Reed making the show happen for us. Outkick 360 rolls on. Shout out to Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri. Thrilled that they are a part of the Outkick Network. 101.3 and 1560 AM. Also to Sports Radio 104.7 right here in the Middle Tennessee region, the Upper Cumberland. We say hello there in Cookville and Crossville. Fox Sports Shoals, Fox Sports Knoxville, and everywhere in between. You can hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up in just a handful of minutes, a video of Derrick Henry's return to Titans practice. Paul's observations of what he saw 22 do in his debut from a return from injury as he's now able to practice and soon to be elevated to the Titans active roster. And throughout today's show, we are going to hit on some topics and, and things learned from the college bowl season. A win or a loss does not necessarily carry over into the offseason. It doesn't necessarily give a team or a program momentum. There are a lot of changes across the college sports landscape uh, year to year and game-to-game, month-to-month now with the transfer portal and coaching moves. But, Chad, you do have several things that we're going to hit on throughout the show and observations of what you learn from the what feels like 100 bowl games that we watched over the last three weeks. Where do you start? Yeah, may I also say that uh, I'm a fan of good names of things, good titles. Somo Sports is a terrific title. So welcome aboard. Absolutely. Uh, that we're now in Joplin, Missouri. We, we appreciate you, but that's a, that's a great name for a company and a station. Somo Sports. I love that. Southern Missouri. So five things I learned from bowl games, and I, I'm taking into account non-playoff games uh, with this. Sure. So I included one New Year's Six game. We didn't learn too much from those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we really didn't. We learned that uh, people don't like to watch blowouts as much because the ratings were not as good. 
Uh, down big time from a year ago, uh, which will get people's attention. So number one, and we'll, we'll piece through this throughout the show, and I want you guys to react. Um, USC and Utah are the Pac-12's only hope for relevance moving forward. The Pac-12 went 0-5 in, in, in bowl games this bowl season, and that's also taking into account Washington State uh, and th- th- their issues that game, but, right. uh, but UCLA canceling. The game you had all the issues with the, uh, Dave Dorn and NC State saying they were lied to that there, there was kind of a sneaky thing that was done. Got out there hours and led to believe before, they were going to play. Yeah, hours before kickoff, they canceled the game because of COVID concerns. Then you stack on top of that, Chip Kelly thinks he's getting a great quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, who last minute Oklahoma loses Caleb Williams, so he goes to Oklahoma. I just look at that conference, guys, and Lincoln Riley was the hire of of the offseason. That was the coup of any program. And we know USC with competent leadership can be a national player quickly. Yes. And I think they will be with Lincoln Riley. And the other bright side for the conference is Utah surprised the heck out of me. Even against an undermanned Ohio State team, the way they played, I look at those two programs right now and think if they're not going to be consistent and really good, I don't have a lot of hope for the leadership of that conference. I don't have a lot of hope in the resources being put into football in that conference. I don't have a lot of hope in the fan bases that support football in that conference. It's a dire situation right now in the Pac-12. I think you got to include the Ducks. I mean, with the Nike money, with the flashy uniforms, with there's that's a shiny program. I don't know anything about Dan Lanning, and I don't know if he's going to be good or not, but there's a shininess to that program that I think – attracts kids is capable at all times of attracting But why do people kids? keep leaving yeah. that's what throws me off about oregon you had willie taggart desperate to get out of there wanting any job he wanted the tennessee job before he got florida state it's a he problem. was trying to get out of there mario cristobal he was there longer i mean he left for his alma mater where he's from i right. get that it's a geographical an thing, thing for sure but find the right guy who's willing to be a pacific northwesterner and i i I think it's got to be a good program. I, I, I don't, I'm not denying there's a problem that you're talking about. But if you find the right guy and settle in, he's got a lot to work with there. Um, and and you've got a lot of places to draw from. And I just think, like, if, if you ask the kid being recruited, I'm not saying you, you go to the shiny object, but what's the shiniest object in America – Outside of Alabama's championship trophies, I'd say most for most of them, it's the, the different helmet every week at Oregon. And I would also have to say, Chad, it is really tough for me not to in, not to believe and not to include Stanford uh, with David Shaw. Yeah, it's been um, a down time. It's been a down time, but I mean, we're not too far removed from them going from quarterback to quarterback and having some really nice play. Uh, Andrew Luck and, and a couple of others as well that make them a national prominent program week in, week out. Maybe not a top four college football playoff team contender, but every once in a while contender. Yeah, especially like, you know, especially late in the season when they start playing, we start USC, Notre Dame. I mean, I would still include Stanford in all of that discussion because of, well, in large part because of David Shaw. Well, and if you're, if you're going to be aspirational about the, the Pac 12 with players, I would put, players on the west coast and in that region and even big cities in you know seattle or phoenix or go down a list of of pac-12 footprint schools i'd put that up against the midwest and what the big 10 does 
If you want to be aspirational, the Pac-12 should aspire to be the Big Ten. That would be a great start. If they could get anywhere oh, close to the Big Ten's level, huge. then that's, that's good news for the Pac-12. Anyway, I, 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 I look at that also, conference, and I think they're, they are on the precipice of even worse things if it doesn't work out with Lincoln Riley and USC, but I think that it will. You also know uh, I was high on this back in July. I, I thought at the time, and I believe now, that the Pac-12 missed out on a golden opportunity to join forces with the Big 12 and form their own super conference and guarantee that both leagues survive moving forward. Now, as the months have drawn on here, the Big 12 is adding Cincinnati. They're losing Texas and Oklahoma in the coming years, and we know they account for somewhere between 50 to 75% of total revenue for their conference. That was my line of thinking. Go in the Big 12 and try to combine with the, the best with the best in the Pac-12 and make, in effect, what the SEC was doing, uh, a larger footprint and combine forces to try to attract a but major TV network. The problem is the Big 12 just lapped them I know. by adding BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. But that's why I, I wanted the Pac-12 to be proactive in that. Yeah, and they did. I'm with you. I mean, some sort of uh, team-up with those two conferences. I mean, they are and the bleeding best, the money. The best in each would have been an amazing conference. Bleeding money based on the reports that have been out over the last couple of years. Um, more on the College Bowl recaps coming up throughout today's show. We transition now to the big NFL headline today. Um, and I guess you could argue it's Aaron Rodgers and MVP voting. That's what the national media is talking about. Um, but in respect to the playoffs, it's Derrick Henry's return to the Tennessee Titans practice field because he's on pace to rejoin the team as soon as the playoffs begin. We know that because they've opened the window for him to practice today. Paul, what'd you observe? You were there. Yeah, look, he looked really good. Uh, now we saw, you know, team stretch period running. If you're if you're watching with us, uh, you see him here on the right side of the screen, uh, running down down and back. They did some conditioning early in practice here. You said he looked good. Um, I think he looked. You know, if you didn't know he was coming off of something in this stretch slash run period and then in a period with the running backs in which he did everything all of the running backs did start to finish, you wouldn't say there's a guy coming off something serious by by any means. Um, Now, there wasn't a lot of speed. There's not a lot of sharp cutting, and there's not a lot – there's no contact obviously. So, uh, you know, you got to keep all that stuff in mind. But in this window, you wouldn't look at him and have any question marks about it. Here we're watching him, uh, you know, run with the ball connected to the, to the string. Uh, Which foot it, did he injure? Right. Okay. Now he's going to take I was a, trying to think a, of what I'm watching because he looks so good. It's hard to know if he's favoring one or the other. Taking a handoff or two from Tannehill here, you know, in the triangle that they run, running behind Kari game. Uh, it's funny the the red jersey of uh, Tannehill in these videos looks almost like the uh, the maroon of uh, the Washington <laughs> Washington football team. Coming up here, uh, it will go quickly to this is the most important one I think. Lateral, uh, three steps side to side through the bags, then turns and runs to his left. I mean, there's nothing you can see there. Uh, here's some slow footwork, uh, jabbing pads, turning left punching at, at a coach or two, 
Um, and, and then he'll go out here and he'll catch a, a little pass, take a couple steps, turn around, catch a pass. Very uh, confident footwork. Everything that you would normally see, Paul, based on um, early training camp work prior to practice beginning, right? I mean, nothing out of the norm for him. That's a completely normal Wednesday running back period. I don't think there's anything designed there to, to key him. Um, I don't know. I don't think there was any hesitancy from him at the beginning of this period, but they were all kind of standing around waiting on Tony Dews just for a second at the beginning. And I'm not sure they knew exactly what the first drill was. And Dews called for Derek to, to make sure that he was at the head of the line. So he assumed his natural position at the front of the line. No Foreman, no Hilliard, no McNichols in that spot. Derrick Henry at, in the position you'd want your starting running back to be in at the head of the line. Now, what that means for what happens after that in practice, which is closed, and, and where he is and what he did, I don't know. I'd be very surprised if he takes a full practice today. And how he feels tomorrow morning off whatever work he does today. I mean, that's the most extensive drill work he's done since October 28th. Um, so how he feels tomorrow will be a factor in things for sure. I also want to point this out because Paul brought up a good point about the field turf and the return to practice. Here in Nashville, tomorrow they're expecting ice and snow around 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's they would take point. that practice maybe indoors because they're playing on the turf in Houston. And with that in mind, I would think that could also adjust his practice regiment this week. I don't know that. But if that's going to play a factor on whether or not you're going to play him in a game, would that play a factor in whether or not you want to work him in practice? Don't know, but these are all things to be considered. And I know Vrabel was Coach Vrabel was asked about that today uh, with the field turf idea versus natural grass, and he played it off like, you know, we take a lot of things into consideration, yeah. I think is what he said. Uh, but what vibe did you get from Vrabel, Paul, on um, – Return to play, not, not practice, but play. <laughs> Annoyance. Uh, that was the vibe? Know, he took three or four Henry questions and said, anybody, uh, anybody have anything on the Texans? Uh, Any vibe whatsoever that he could play this week? Do you think there's a scenario where they activate him on Saturday as they fly to Houston? I don't that's think, when the activations happen. I don't think there was a vibe or a hint one way or the other about that. It was exactly the same tone as he has any Wednesday when somebody's come off the list into the practice window, uh, which I think is a sincere vibe. Like, we have to look at him. We, we don't know. We haven't seen him in a long time, and we have to see what he looks like. Let me throw this out there. and Paul, you and Hutton both, tell me what you think on this. Um, how much consideration will go to what Derrick Henry wants to do in this game? Large part. And, and see, knowing, knowing Derrick Henry, yeah. what do you think Derrick Henry will want to do? Well, I don't know how, Paul, I think, maybe, I don't know if he needs, I don't know if he needs this game. But I'll, I also I ask say, because I think it's a difficult answer. Well, it's a I difficult, don't know for sure in this, well, in this setting. He's a guy who wants to play games. See, I don't you know, know if they that, get an honest answer out of him is the problem. I, I, know, I think he defaults to I want to play. Well, and I don't know if they could sit down with him and have the, the conversation that you're talking about where it's very much about, hey, what will this mean to you going forward, all of that. I think he he's robotic in, uh, yeah, play me. 
I think it's important playing. to note, and we we haven't seen him. The NFL media, the coaching staff, Henry, we haven't seen him return from injury like this. So that's why it's so difficult to say what he would want to do. We do know what they do in the preseason leading up to you know the live action. They don't play him. And they don't, I mean, they, they hardly practice the guy. Um, he's available, but it's not like when they have a full padded practice and there's goal line drills, he's not taking a lot of those reps. He does a lot of individual work and then side. I mean, that's what happened this year. Goes Paul. in the sand pit, goes inside, right. um, goes on the bike, goes on an elliptical. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, some of the quarterbacks, uh, the, the star quarterbacks of the league, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, others who chose to play in that third preseason game this year just to knock the rust off. So I, I don't know how he's going to feel coming back from injury ready to play after a three-day practice week. That is where I do think you have to lean on the player um, who knows his body, who knows the, the rehab regiment, who, who knows just how he feels. The doctors certainly play a major role in all of this. And... Then you have to go into, okay, the risk factors. And that's where Paul's coming in, and I agree with them. That's where, despite how anyone would feel, you have to measure the risk versus the reward and make sure you've got your guy for the run of the postseason, which is what you've been building towards. It was weather the storm, and they've done more than that. They're currently the number one seed. Weather the storm and get your horse back, get your thoroughbred back. And they've got him in the backfield now. I would ensure that you've got that ready to go. But again, we... He hasn't been through this before, so we really don't know how he feels about getting a couple reps. And uh, just let's go with that. You're saying uh, the risk. Let's go on the reward side. Sure. Like, what's the big reward from him getting work this week? And, it would be and the, win the game. I, I, it I, would be the mindset of like Chad saying the player thinks he or knows he wants to get in there and you know bang some hats and get ready, get conditioned for the postseason for live action. But I'm saying when you get to a divisional round opening game for yourself, how much will you really have gained from I've, him playing versus the risk? I agree. To me, the risk column is way more red than the reward column is green. And I, because looking, what if, God forbid, he play in this game and gets stepped on in the wrong way or right. something, and, and he have a setback, the air comes out of the tire. And I would also say he doesn't come across to me as a guy that's going to be very rusty. Like I, I, I just I, he's not, he's a veteran player. This is not some guy that is one or two years into the league, and you have to feel him out. Um, I think you know what you have in Derrick Henry. So the, going back to the bang hat, bang hats mantra, and Derrick Henry certainly fits that. Yes, he's going to want to play if he can play. But I think the question from Derrick Henry, who's a smart guy and a smart competitor, would be: I don't want to do anything that would risk me not suiting up for a home playoff game, right? That's right. first and foremost on your mind. I want to be there when the crowd is at its loudest, when the stakes are the highest, in the big moment when more eyeballs are watching. Players want to play in those games. So he obviously wants to play in that game. So I think the response would be if, if he asked the doctors or the coaches, whoever, and said, look, I obviously want to play in games when I can play. Is there any added risk in me playing this game other than the natural risk of participating in a football game, right? Anytime you go and suit up, there's a risk you're going to get hurt. But if the answer is, well, you're not really going to know how you can turn on that foot and do things in a game until you play in a game. If that's the answer and there's a risk of, I'm going to get out there and find out in the course of the game, 
I think Derrick Henry then, that would be the only way that he would come back and say, okay, I'd rather figure that out in the home playoff game then and get some carries in that game and help my team win that game if there's any chance that this thing falls apart because I'm playing in a game. If it's just the natural risk of playing running back in the NFL, give me the damn helmet, give me the football, let me go play in Houston. That, that's what I think his response would be. Yeah, I think so too, but I could still overrule that and say, sure, we're just going to bubble wrap it. I just don't think that Mike Vrabel's a bubble wrap type of guy. Oh, he! I, I do. I think, think I he's think a if, bubble wrap type of guy. I think if Mike's bubble wrap people in the preseason, he's given extra absolutely. extra well, weeks he, for people. He listens to players, right? That that's that's where that comes in. He knows physically what he went through as a player. So some of that preseason stuff, I would also is he's wanting to get guys to games. I would also say, I would also want to know from the doctor standpoint, what does two extra weeks of rest and just practice time, but rest do for Derrick Henry um, if there's something to be gained there because they are on the doorstep of their next game after Sunday being the divisional round and then one went away from hosting the AFC championship game they have been building to this since John Robinson hired Mike Vrabel and they've got their guy back and they've weathered everything along the way I would want to ensure that everything is in place to make the run necessary and that the playoffs go through Nashville. With that in mind, to do that, once they get here, you want Henry back. And that's what they've been discussing all all season since he went down. I, I'm, I, 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 just, I, I, I say all that to say I would not play him because I think there's more to lose than to gain on just knocking the rust off and hearing some pads pop. I don't think the guy needs that personally. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Also, you're talking about the clinching this week, right? If we go three years now on this team's growth chart, right? Three years ago in their final game, I'm not remembering who they played what year. You'll probably be better than this. Than Which I year? Am. 19, the year of the... Houston, I think. So it was Houston, but they had to win to get into the playoffs as a wild card in order to go to New England. Yeah, it was Houston because that's the year... I looked at it this morning. That's the year they rested Derrick Henry in the New Orleans game. In the New Orleans game. game, that's right. In order for him to run for 211 yards, in order for them to win that game. Houston was resting people that had already clinched the division. Titans won the wild card game, went on their run. Last year, they had to win the finale in order to win the division. That was against... Houston. Houston. It's weird they're finishing three years in a run, Houston. you got to mix in the Colts there. Last year, they had to win the last game of the regular season against Houston in order to clinch the division. This year, they have to beat Houston in the final game of the regular season in order to clinch the number one seed. That is a very clear climb. That's a stair. That's a staircase. Staircase. I mean, uh, if they do it this weekend, you know, for the complaints that we have, some of which are very reasonable, Vic Beasley, Isaiah Wilson, you know, uh, all that stuff, which if they hadn't made those mistakes, they would have clinched the number one seed two weeks ago in some of these cases. But it's a very nice staircase. Very Coming nice. up on Outkick 360, primary complaint. And if you're new to the show, Paul has a great explanation for what is about to happen, and it will become one of your favorite segments of the week. That's next on Outkick 360.
Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody in Music City with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Hit the headlines coming up in nine minutes. It includes Aaron Rodgers. It includes Derrick Henry. And uh, a lot of NFL discussion with the Chargers and Raiders and a potential tie that could happen. Well, one of the head coaches has discussed that scenario. We'll explain everything coming up. But first, Paul... Explain for our new listeners with SOMO Sports Radio and uh, maybe those across the Outkick Network joining us for the first time in the new year, what Primary Complaint's all about. Yes, we vent here. So uh, we get a lot of problems with sports and with society. We pick one. <laughs> one. Just one. We narrow it down. Mostly with society. <laughs> we, we, uh, we keep folders. So, we, you know, if we've got <laughs> yes. a good secondary one this week and we feel it rises to, to primary next week, we'll use it next week. Our one big complaint, and we share it. it it's cathartic. We get it off our chests. And uh, today I'm going to offer one that, that doesn't involve SOMO, but much of the rest of the country. It is time for primary complaint, guys. I will kick it off with who I refer to as the gatekeepers. And most of the time, the gatekeepers are the recorded message that you get when you call Xfinity or you call DirecTV or anything nowadays. It's like, hey, what would you like to do? I always say, speak to a representative. Well, to speak to a representative, they're going to ask you to confirm, confirm your phone number, sometimes your address, your location, your name. Blood type. Every, yeah, everything. Literally everything. And then you finally, after a what feels like a five-minute process, it may be sooner rather than later, someone, a human being, picks up the phone, right, and says, hey, can, I, can, can you please confirm your address? Can you please confirm your phone number? Who am I speaking with? I've already done that. If I'm going to sit through the process of doing that in order to speak to a human, I expect when that person picks up the phone to have a computer in front of them that tells them who they're talking to. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint, and I'm going to show you guys what it is, and I'll, I'll be uh, brief on this one as well. Uh, this actually happened to me today. Uh, we name names on this show, so I'll go ahead and say it. I was at a Chipotle in Hermitage, uh, Tennessee, just outside of uh, Nashville. And look, I, I'm not paid by them, obviously, with my complaint right now. <laughs> but uh, I will say I'm a big fan of the brand. Uh, I enjoy the food. It's a great quick lunch. I know exactly. I know how I Chipotle when I go. I know exactly what I'm going to get. But what I didn't know I was going to get today was a sign that someone that works there made that put on the on the front door that says exact change only or credit debit card. You can't live in both worlds. I think it's inexcusable to not accept cash in America at a place of business. But you can't say you have to have exact change also <laughs> to go with that. I forgot about this. Got to the front to pay for my meal. Took out a $20 bill. And that's when they informed me again, I'm sorry, we're, we're just going to have to keep this 20 even though your food was thirteen eighty seven because we don't have exact change. So I paid with a debit card. Figure it out. Just figure it out. And either go debit only or have cash to give people change. That is my primary complaint. On the eastern side of this fair city, they have erected a monument to mediocrity. And there will be thousands of people that go by there today and worship at its altar. Of course, I'm talking about the grand opening of the Whataburger. <laughs> Never in the history of man has something been more overhyped and overrated than a Whataburger burger. It's just a sonic burger. 
So if you want a real good burger today, drive right past those zealots over at the Whataburger who've been waiting in line for the past 48 hours and go to a Wendy's. Do not bring me your idols for I will not kneel. I know they have spicy ketchup. So does the devil. The cult <laughs> of Whataburger. That's my primary complaint. And by Whataburger, he means Whataburger. Um, look, we had a little bit of snow on Sunday. All over, all over social media and the news, it said, if you have snow on the roof of your car, clear it. Because it'll break off. It'll hurt somebody's car. I figure everybody knows this. We're going to be safe. 30% of the cars on the road, at least the next day, snow on the top of oh. their car. You're, you're all so scared of snow. I figured you would take blowtorches to get rid of this problem. Listen. 